0: to continue my lamentably circuitous instructions i am currently staying in london with my aunt and uncle Gardiner for the purpose of selecting wedding clothes to be honest i would have been perfectly content to marry darcy in my last year's workaday gown or in my night shift but it seemed cruel to deprive my mother of the delight of seeing me outfitted in a perfectly outrageous number of new things jane my oldest sister was to accompany me to london as well Our wedding is to be a double one. Jane and Mr. Charles Bingley are to be married on the same day Darcy and I are wedded. But at the last moment, Charles heard word of an estate in the north that has come up for sale. The place is not so very far from Pemberley, where Darcy and I will live, and it sounds ideal in practically every regard. Charles elected to travel there at once to see the place for himself and decide whether he wishes to make an offer for it. Jane, of course, being the happy possessor of the sweetest temper in all of England, told Charles that she would be entirely content with his decision, whether he chose to buy the property or no. But Charles would not hear of that. He really is Jane's perfect match. Not only that, but he loves her so truly that it practically radiates from him whenever they are in the same room. He insisted that Jane ought to see the place, too, before he committed to buying it. After all it would be her home as well. So they have gone off on a hurried journey to the North, properly chaperoned by Charles's sister, Mrs. Hurst. I told Jane that Mrs. Hurst's presence was the only part of the arrangement that made me pity her a bit, but Jane is too sweet-tempered to mind even Charles's slightly dreadful sister. I hope, hope, hope that the estate in the North is as charming as the estate agent claimed it to be. It almost seems like too much happiness, to think of myself living at Pemberley with Darcy, and Jane and Charles settled not far away. I had to break off writing earlier. My little cousins, aunt and uncle Gardiner's children, came bursting into the room. There are four of them, Anna and Charlotte, who are seven and nine, and Thomas and Jack, ages three and five. They're all so utterly adorable that I was forced to drop all other considerations and play at spillikins and hunt the slipper with them. Then it was time to dress for dinner only now that i am back in my room getting ready to go to bed have i realized that i never did write down what i set out to say earlier which was an account of darcy's visit this morning i was in the morning-room writing a letter to my mother who had just written to inform me that i am a terrible daughter for not giving her better accounts of the balls that i am attending the gowns that i am wearing and the expensive presents with which darcy is presumably showering me because what is the good of her daughter's being engaged to marry a fabulously wealthy man if she cannot crow about all of its said items of interest to our neighbours? That, of course, is my own interpretation. My mother's actual words were slightly more subtle. Very slightly. Rose, Aunt Gardiner's maid, came in to tell me that Darcy had arrived to call on me, and a moment later he entered. He looked almost impossibly handsome, wearing buckskin breeches and a blue superfine coat that set off his broad shoulders and dark hair. I suppose the truth is so patently obvious that I may as well admit it straight out. I am hopelessly, helplessly, utterly in love. But more important than good looks, he was smiling. Not the polite, stiff quirk of the lips that passes for his social smile, the one he gives people whose boring company is forced to endure. A real smile the one that reaches his eyes, and that I have seen only since we have been engaged. I met Mrs. Gardiner on the front step, he said. She was just going out to pay some morning visits, but she kindly allowed that I might come in and visit without a chaperone, and seeing as how, for one thing, we are engaged to be married in two weeks' time, and for another, she said she has the highest estimation of my gentlemanly character. Ah! I pushed the letter to my mother aside and got out to greet him. I, however, am not gentlemanly in the slightest. How does you know I will not take ruthless advantage of your honour? Darcy laughed. Until we were engaged, I had never heard him laugh before either. Actually, there was a time in our acquaintance when I would have believed him utterly incapable of laughter. I shall resign myself to being thoroughly compromised. The way he looked at me then. His dark eyes, somehow at once wondering and tender and filled with need, stopped my breath and made my heart feel as though it were expanding inside my chest. The morning room, the noise of carriages,